Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Hi, Ah, I'm so excited. Okay, welcome to episode number one of the Confidence and Communication Podcast. My name is Jessica Dumas. Maybe you joined me from my Instagram at JessicaDumas01. Maybe we are friends on Facebook, but if we're not friends on Facebook or if you don't follow me on Instagram, how did you find me? I want to know. I'm so excited to be launching this podcast I want to talk about why confidence and communication in my first episode. I'm going to give you a background of my experience. Where did I come from? What have I overcome? Which I think is one of the most important parts. What I've accomplished and then depending on our time, what kind of lessons or what did I go through? What kind of lessons can I share with that? So super excited about that. The first thing I'll talk about is why confidence and communication. Those are two things that are so important to me. So let's talk about it. I believe that expressing ourselves is a huge part of having pleasure in life, having fulfillment in life. Until I was in my 20s, maybe even my late 20s, I was so quiet and shy and I hated it. I was trying to, it was like I was trying to bust out, but I couldn't do it because I was so shy. I was so scared. And I recognized that I was surrounding myself by people and things in my life who didn't build me up, things that didn't support me, encourage me. In fact, as a child and even with some of the people that I had in my life as an adult, they made fun of me. They kept me small. They said things to make me small. And it made me not feel safe to speak up for myself. And I believe that confidence and communication have everything to do with each other because it was those two things that helped me become a professional speaker. I always wanted to speak up, share my opinion, ask for what I wanted in all areas of life. I wanted to change the conversation. I wanted to lead, but I felt so small. And even when I thought that I could communicate my needs clearly, I didn't have the confidence to do it. And when I realized that was the problem, that's where I was lacking. That's when I knew I need to work on my confidence. And then I became a life coach in 2013. And I'll go through a little bit of my resume with you. But I wanted to communicate clearly to others how I did it because I wanted others to find the same. I thought if I can feel this good, feeling confident and speaking out loud, then maybe others want to do that. So how can I communicate this? And I was not always a person who used the language around confidence and feelings. So that was something that I had to work on. But when I started coaching, for me, the best thing that I thought I could do was break it down. How can I communicate this for others? How can I break it down? How can I make it make sense? 
And I was playing with ideas on what to name this podcast. And I was reading some of my affirmations and some journal entries. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that's something that's really important to me. Talk about it all the time. In fact, on my Instagram bio link, there is a free affirmations download program to get you started. But I was reading my journal entries. And in a few lines that I read on a regular basis, it said, I'm an outstanding speaker and speaker coach who empowers women all over the world to live a high quality, high class life through confidence and communication. And there it was. And so that is why confidence and communication. And that's why this is so important to me. So excited to be here. Okay. So who am I? Where did I come from? And what have I overcome, which to me is a really important part of a success conversation. I am from Winnipeg. I've only lived in Winnipeg. I I love Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's the center of Canada. We have very hot summers, very cold winters. We have beautiful spring, beautiful fall. And I have, I always kind of laugh at this. I have a growing up poor story, which many of us do. My family was on social assistance. My mom had six babies and she started very young. I believe she was 16 when she started having babies. But I have an older brother who's the firstborn. The second baby died at birth. I'm the thirdborn. And then I have a brother that's younger than me. Next is a sister who's younger than me. So the fifthborn. And then the sixthborn was a brother. Uh, but he was killed by the police in 2005. I have a TEDx talk on that. The TEDx talk is called The Journey to a Woman's Identity. That's a little, just a little kind of rundown of my siblings. My childhood was surrounded by poverty, alcoholism, suicide in family members, drug abuse, physical abuse. So I had an aunt and an uncle and a cousin or an aunt and an uncle who died by suicide of brothers and cousins. Well, my brother and cousins who were either 18 or under were killed in the streets and in the school that I went to. What my childhood looked like was men in white vans, which is like the typical pervert on the street, right? Men in white vans who would expose themselves to me as a young girl. So I'm walking to school. Some guy, opens up his car door and starts, you know, doing his thing. I could barely walk to my friends after school without men offering me a ride in their car. And so I started running. (laughs) I ran to places, not all the time, not like a weirdo, but I wasn't afraid to just start running and just be like, get away from me, loser. I left home from my mom at the age of 15. And sometimes they forget that 15 years old. So I have two sons that are over 15 right now. My youngest is 14. And I could not imagine them leaving home. But where that started was, I had a crush on a guy. And I thought he was so hot. And eventually he held a knife to my throat and told me that I belonged to him. So I ran away and I never went back home. And I didn't really tell anybody. So, I mean, there's something weird in that. I didn't feel safe enough that I had people to tell that were going to protect me. So I just ran away. So I was basically 
starting at 15 years old, well, starting earlier, I was headed down a prescribed path that was set out for me because this is just the way that it was. No one talked to me about graduating high school. No one talked to me about going to university. No one talked to me about having a great career or buying a home or doing anything that would be good for me. That's just how it was. That was just life and life sucked. Life was lame. I had no voice and ultimately I was no one. And I've said before, if I had been a girl who had gone missing or who had been murdered, it's just the way it is. So how did that change? What have I accomplished? So that's some of what I've overcome, all the things that were meant to hold me back, but how come I didn't end up there? How did that change for me? So imagine this, Jessica, little Jessica, 18 years old. So by this time I've already left home and I'm living in friends and relatives spare rooms. So I've never actually lived on a couch, which I think is like, (laughs) how lucky for me. Everyone had a spare room, oddly enough. And I was dating a guy. It wasn't the guy that held the knife to my throat, but it was someone who was controlling. He was jealous. And what that looked like was he would accuse me of wanting the attention of other guys if I wore something too revealing or too fitting. I wasn't allowed to wear what I wanted to wear. And so what I ended up doing, of course, was wearing like big baggy sweats and big like hoodies and stuff. And I wanted to wear like cute stuff. So I do that now anyway. But eventually I get pregnant. And actually I was pregnant more than once. I had two miscarriages. I had an ectopic pregnancy before I had my first baby. And I was 18, 19 And at the time, it made sense for me to have a baby because, again, the prescribed life that I had set out for me, everyone I knew at that age, it was normal. Like, we just had babies. We didn't get jobs. We didn't go to university. We had babies. And so that was me at 18, 19. And when I was about to become a mom, I remember sitting and staring into the distance somewhere. I don't know where the heck I was. Somewhere in the North End in Winnipeg. And thinking about how scary is this world and how can I bring a baby into this world and then panic. So I knew I wanted to give this baby a better life. I wanted to have my baby not go through all of the shit that I had been through. I wanted to take life to the next step if that was possible. And so I started to speak up. I started to ask for things. I started to make my own decisions. For example, like nursing, nursing my baby. And my family was like, what are you doing? Why don't you just give him a bottle? And I was like, no, but nursing is good for the baby. And it it was a terrible time to nurse because everybody hated it. And I was ashamed to feed my baby in public. So, I mean, we stayed home all the time. He was born in the winter. But it was such a bonding experience. I love my boys. I have three boys now. And I already decided that in my home, there was not going to be drugs and alcohol. It's not going to be part of our lives. My babies are going to have a good, clean home. And I decided to go back to high school. I graduated high school. And get this, I was on the honor roll for the first time in my life. 
in my last year, I also, for extra credit, did a work experience program and I won an award. I won $300. But as I was graduating high school in my last year, because I was over 18, I was on social assistance and I hated that. I hated being on social assistance because that was what I felt was holding me back. And I knew that one of my goals was to get off of social assistance and raise my son. And so when I graduated high school, I was part of a work experience program, but also another, it was called the Lieutenant Governor's Work Experience Program. And because I graduated on the honor roll, I had the opportunity to get a full-time job right out of high school. And so I ended up working with the gas company and I worked full time. I think my first, my summer hourly rate was like $14 an hour. So I remember telling my boyfriend at the time that like I'd never worked for a uh, minimum wage and I was very proud of that. And, um, but I was, I had a full time job and I la- it lasted about nine years. So I started my family. I had good benefits. I had consistent income. And that was something that was really important to me. And so it was good times. It was good times. I thought I had it made. I was the only person in my family to have like this long-term full-time job. So that was pretty cool. I was the first person in my family to get a high school graduation diploma. So that was pretty cool too. Working at the gas company gave me the first opportunity to be a facilitator. So I had opportunities to volunteer and go into high school classrooms through another program and teach them like staying in school, how to write a resume, how to shop, how to find an apartment. I can't remember what the program was called, but it was fun. And I realized, wow, I love this. I love telling people what to do, but in a supportive way. Like I love to encourage people. I love to help them see opportunities, help them see, like create a vision. And that made me really excited. So I'd always volunteered. I, like in in high school, there were a couple of like little committees and stuff that I would attend. So I'd always been volunteering and doing stuff like that. So that was, that was pretty cool. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my resume and, and then I'll start talking a little bit about like, how did I, what else happened throughout that time? So if you were to read my resume, it's actually like seven pages now, which is kind of funny, but like, where do you stop and what do you even put on your resume? I I have so much. So the first thing that you'll see is the profile of qualifications. I did Indigenous awareness for several years, but I've been a trainer for probably 17 years by the time I'm reading this now. So my top skills is I'm a maximizer transforming strengths into excellence, helping others to succeed. That's something, oh, even just reading that gets me so excited. I love doing that. I'm an arranger, ability to conduct and realign complex situations for maximum production. Yes, I don't like things to slow me down. I like to know what's the best possible way. How do we eliminate repetition or steps that don't matter? And I'm also a communicator talent and bringing energy to dry conversations. So that's what I'm hoping that I'm doing. Let me know how I'm doing. So my professional development, so all of the work that, or all of the like education that I took after high school was initiated because I needed to learn a skill. 
many times it was because I had a job and I wanted to to learn a skill to just be better at my job. But I never went to and completed like a full university degree. And again, on Instagram, uh, you would have heard me talk about that a lot because not having a university degree and not having written a book, those were two things that I thought, oh, who am I to talk about anything? Who am I to, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. No one's going to trust me. No one's going to believe in me. But I, in fact, did a lot of professional development work after my grade 12 diploma. So I'll start with when I was still at the gas company. So I took a extraordinary customer service training and it was only about four days, but I was working in customer service and I loved it. I loved talking about a customer service experience. So not just like transactional, but the experience and how communication, body language, and how all of that can affect and create a really good experience for someone. And like people are going to pick customer service over the cost of things. Anyway, me, that's what I do. I took um, some suicide prevention, crisis intervention training after I left the gas company. And after 2005, when my brother was killed, I started looking at, you know, something different than the gas company, because I was telling people with my best possible customer service experience and, and voice, why their bills were so high. I didn't want to do that anymore. My life had changed. And I wanted to be happy if I could experience something to make my life losing my brother feel so low and so depressed and so fucking lifeless, then I knew there has to be the opposite. There has to be the opposite. And I just hoped, I hoped and I wished that there was that opposite. And, and I started seeking it. I looked for it. And so I started working in restorative justice. I left the customer service field and I started working in restorative justice and so I took suicide prevention, I did culture and conflict. And I really, I really liked some of that stuff, dealing with anger, mediation skills, I did mediation for a few years. And that's also exhausting work, it was not for me, but it was very healing for me. So I'm glad that I did that work. I was there for maybe six, seven years or so. I started working as a community justice worker and started working with people who had conflict with the law. And eventually I was a manager managing a department and I had staff and implementing a brand new program in Southern Manitoba with First Nation communities all across Southern Manitoba and introducing to them, well, reintroducing to them, what is restorative justice and how are we doing it and working with the courts, working with RCMP. And so that was, incredible. It was incredible. It was healing. I built a lot of relationships with First Nation communities, including my own home community, which I didn't have a relationship with because of Indian Act and residential school and my grandmother having to leave her community as a child. So yeah, that was like a huge time for me. So I was managing staff. I took some supervisory professional training through some different community organizations. And then I was really getting serious about like understanding my identity, trying to figure out 
what happened? Like what happened to my family? Why is my family in such a place of struggle and abuse in so many different areas? And so this is when I started exploring university. I was always really intimidated by university. I felt like it wasn't a place that I belonged, but I knew several people who had been to university. So I thought I would check it out. So the courses that I took, I took a U1 course for the first year. And I did this as a parent, I had three, as a single parent, I had three boys at home. It was fucking crazy because like kids need something. And as mom, you got to drop it. So I was not a really good university student, but I took Native People of Canada course. That was also life-changing. And I had a wonderful instructor slash professor and um, he's a dear friend of mine, great mentor. And what did I do next? So around that time was when I started exploring, okay, what am I going to do with my life? That's why I went to go to the, the Native People of Canada, the University of Manitoba program. And I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life and how do I help people? But I was also coming from a really low place because I had left the restorative justice director position or management position, whatever it was called. And I was really like looking for something meaningful. And I was really feeling like life is short. I just want to be happy. What am I going to do? And so I came across a coaching certificate or a certified coaching program. And so I thought, hmm, if I do that, then maybe that will be like the basis of where I want to go. And So I did that. I continued taking some courses at the University of Manitoba. I took some leader, a bunch of leadership stuff, facilitation stuff, lots of facilitation stuff. And then I started like in the midst of that, I was already investing with coaches and looking at, you know, how do I be a better speaker? How do I be a better leader? How do I be a better parent? And just reading books and doing all that sort of thing. I took some programs at the Asper School of Business, their executive education program, advanced program in management, leadership, and strategy, design thinking for innovation, and advanced business design facilitation through the University of Toronto Rotman School of Management. And yeah, I'm a Virgo. I'm a bit of a perfectionist slash excellenceist, if that's a thing. So I try not to let perfection stop me. Like if it's not perfect, it's not, you know, it's not ready. Like no, done is better than perfect. I heard that years ago. I like it, but I have a high work ethic and I believe in excellence. And I believe that we are all capable of excellence. And my personality type is ENTJ, which means a natural commander, natural leader. I have courage, intuition, determination. And as I mentioned, some of my top skills earlier, I use strength finders and I've used that for a lot of my clients as well. Maximizer is one of my top skills. So excellence is my standard. Oh, I love that. That should be like my next tattoo, which I want more tattoos, by the way. Number two is a ranger, commander slash conductor. Three is communication. I like to host. Can you tell? I like to support and promote communication and understanding. I love that. Significance is number four. Important for my work to be a way of life. So naturally, as a as a life coach, like this is just in total alignment with me. 
And my fifth top skill is that I'm futuristic. Future ideas fascinate the fuck out of me. I love it. And my money archetype, according to Denise Duffield Thomas, is celebrity. I naturally like attention. I used to be so embarrassed to admit that, but now I'm not. I am like Tinkerbell. She needs attention. So what does confidence and communication have to do with all of this? Well, I talked a little bit about it when I started. And I just, I believe that when we communicate confidence and how we break that down is, is so helpful for people. Like we need to know that others have been where we are when we are struggling, like we see each other from the outside and we see ourselves from the inside and that's what we compare to others. But that is, that's so not helpful. So if we can communicate, you know, what does excellence really take? What does entrepreneurship really take? What does confidence really take? When we can break that down into words and communicate it and in a way to help others say, okay, I can relate to that. Then to me, that matters because I want a good life. I want to be successful. I want to continue to grow, continue to learn. I want to make more money. I want to be successful. I want to have all of the things in my life that I want, but I also want that for you. I want that for everyone. And I believe that we live in a world that is trying to shape us, right? When I started talking, I shared with you how my life was prescribed for me. And I honestly believe that as an Indigenous woman, my life was prescribed for me. And it's a little roguey. <laughs> it's a little gone rogue. Does that make any sense at all? For me to shake that shit up, and say, no, I'm not going to live this prescribed life. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to be confident about myself. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to ask for money. I'm going to expect success. I'm going to expect my life to be excellent. And I want that for you. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, if you want me to pick apart anything, if you don't think I went deep enough, I mean, I really did have to kind of pick and choose, you know, what stories am I going to tell? And I mean, we got lots of time. We have lots of time. So send me any questions, follow me on Instagram and listen for the next episode. Ah, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Miigwech, egose, merci. Please don't leave without hearing me tell you that you are worthy and your time is worthy, which is why I'm so happy you chose to listen to this podcast. If there was something in this message that resonated with you, please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story and tag me at jessicadumas01. Because if you found this helpful, your friends and your cousins will want to know about it. Until next time, decide you are worthy of what you want and go get it.